Wish I was a lion in the tall grass. Wish I had a pilot in a podcast. Wish I had a strong donkey that can holler ass and travel with portable speakers playing bars scans. Wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had a million hours. I wish I had a million problems. That way I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes. I wish I found a genie lamp. I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beauty Man. Yeah. I wish I was a comedian. Late night sitcom syndicated on TV land. I wish this well had water in it. These kids are stealing all my pennies. Focused on my wealth. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish to help us like this life. And I wish, I wish, that every time we love and it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, that every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, that every time we love and it feels just like this. It feels just like this. It feels Wish I had a time machine. Wish I had a better rhyming scheme. Wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew up my lime bean. I wish that I could spread my wings. I wish that I had seven limbs. That way I'd hold on to everything. And lie I hear people wishing for the better things. I wish I spoke fluent Spanish. Dímelo, dímelo. At least I kind of understand it. <laughs> wish that I could throw the deuce like Gambit and get so large I could play pool with the planets. Yeah. I wish I was an astronaut. I wish I knew more classic rock. <laughs> Focused on myself. You can't help me wish, but I would rather wish for help. It's like, it's like. I wish, I wish. And every time we love in the future. Welcome to another episode of The Debrief. I am your host, Brianna Joy Gray, coming to you from sunny, balmy, Washington, D.C., where there is the whiff of controversy in the air. Pourquoi, you ask? Well, Pasica, I did a radar that upset one of the greatest defenders of American freedoms and left politics in the United States of America. Yes, you guessed it, the one and only Scion of MSNBC, CNN, and all the corporate media we know and love, Soledad O'Brien. I have crossed paths with one of my heroes, and she has judged me harshly. Fie! Fie on me! <laughs> Guys, we got a lot to talk about this week. We had a rip-roaring, controversial-in-itself episode with Irami Ose Frimpong, one of my favorite people to talk to because he will go there, he will say what's on his mind, and he always challenges me to think something that some folks in the establishment media are not fans of. But also, I did a similarly-themed radar yesterday uh, that people are a little in a fit about. So we will take questions about it all. We can talk about it all and anything else that is on your mind this evening. I just got a text that apparently the debate with Charlie Kirk also just dropped this evening. So I'm going to have a great weekend. <laughs> uh, let me play a brief clip from the episode. It's a free episode. Everybody should go ahead and watch it over at Bad Faith YouTube. Subscribe to the Bad Faith YouTube channel and like the channel if you haven't already. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. It's free. It helps the videos spread. It helps us beat the algorithm, which we all know wants us to watch uh, hateful, unproductive things. Uh, so let's listen to a quick clip and then get right into it. Whoops. Nope, nope, nope. I have not jiggered my sound properly, so it is not going out of the right place. My apologies. A quick systems preferences sound 
out through the roadcaster and now it will work. I just pulled up an article that I wrote in 2018 that really pushed back against um, folks like Stephen Phillips, who's an advisor at CAP and who wrote The Browning of America and really pressed this narrative that Democratic Party basically doesn't have to do anything but sit back and wait and demographics are going to help them out. You know, I, I push back against that not because like Tucker Carlson or, you know, if you don't want to attribute these views to Tucker Carlson and a number of other people, the shooter, not because I think that The Browning of America is a problem because I believe in, you know, white racial hierarchies, but because to me, it was an argument against actually doing things in service of constituents, advancing the kinds of policies that people actually want politicians to advance, and instead sitting back and saying, well, they're never going to vote for all these Republicans because the Republicans are too racist, so the Democratic Party just has to be the lesser of two evils, and that's how we get into a place where no one's actually offering positive policy prescriptions. So I am also mad at this thing, you know, but I find myself in this bizarro position where I have to concede that Tucker Carlson is right in identifying that this really is the Democratic Party's plan. Yeah. But the Democratic right. and the Democratic Party is having trouble pushing back against him because like they've been saying it out loud for a long time. The, but, no, it's, the, but I hate the Democratic I hate the demographics as destiny because it's not true. Not only is it lazy politics, it's not true because right. you don't understand how institutions work. Even if America, like, if there's a browning of America, it doesn't mean they're all going to go Democrats. Right. Like, it, like institutions make Americans. Yeah. Right? Not biology. Institutions right. make Americans. So people are going to come. They're going to participate in American institutions. And if you don't have institutional control or institutional narratives, or you don't worry about building institutions or swaying institutions, you'll just get darker colored Republicans. <laughs> All right, Jam, you're up first. Hit me with your opinions. Am I canceled? Uh, unmute yourself, Jam, and let us know what's on your mind. Little little microphone. Right, can you hear me now? Right? There you go. All right, there you go. Uh, to me, you're definitely not canceled. <laughs> <laughs> and I love, I love Army. He's definitely like one of the freest black men. <laughs> like you're gonna, you're gonna find in America. <laughs> but this this conversation was it, it brought up a lot. I, I, you guys sit up on a lot of stuff. Um, and this, this is definitely one of my fa uh, favorite episodes too. Like um, I think um, I, th I do think one thing that I wish you guys would have talked about, um, and especially in during the um, since it's related to the shooting, mm -hmm. was um how how black people feel about like gun ownership because mm. that's because that's a big because that's a big thing like i wrote an article about it really trying like dig deep and like into it about how like how inc in, uh, how incidents like this and like police shootings make like black people feel about you know like gun ownership because mm -hmm. just like this this just like this shooting um it was another shooting like here in uh, louisville where it was about maybe like a year or two ago, like the same same type of mo, where like some a racist white dude uh, went out to try like just literally hunt uh, black people. He went to a black mm -hmm. church, he couldn't get in, but then he went to a um, a Kroger and end up end up like killing like three like three or four people, and mm -hmm. um, before he before he was uh, later caught and it got like barely any like news attention. Mm -hmm. It was like it, and it reminded me so much about this this latest shooting because. It seemed like the media tried to do the same thing, try to call him anything but racist, even though he was calling himself racist. That has been driving me crazy. Yeah, it's been driving me crazy listening to people caveat, 
like I've spoken very openly on this show about my ambivalent feelings about talking to folks who I know are going to be put off if I use the word racist and mm-hmm. I can't like really clearly prove it, you mm-hmm. know, and how, you know, I don't know if I should hold my tongue and am I ethically compromising myself? Like I've ta- I've been talking about that on this show a lot, but yeah. this shooting <laughs> this shooting I mean, where there's a manifesto titled hi i'm a racist and i'm gonna go kill black people and jewish um, people I, I don't know if you remember like they did the same thing with dylan roof <laughs> like it like the same it was like the same same thing like trying everything but to call him racist. i don't know what it is you know like i i thought i understood it with um with like i don't know what it is with like the mainstream want to call actual real racist shit like racist, but they'll call like some microaggressions. Exactly. You know, they'll blow they'll blow up like any type of microaggression. But like exactly. I would never I would never get over how how the left how more so of like the mainstream like liberal media just really try to downplay all the racist shit Joe Biden said during mm-hmm. you know like during like the, the primary telling black people like they don't know how to raise their kids and shit. Saying so you don't know who you're voting like for black, uh, if you don't know if you vote for him, then you, you ain't black. Saying that to a black person face and shit, like yelling at like always like um especially when he was talking to like black media uh, media figures, always bring up like crack references and shit. I thought that shit was so mm-hmm. weird, but like mm-hmm. but, but but they called it gaffes instead of just straight straight up mm-hmm. racist shit. You know, like I don't mm-hmm. I don't under I don't understand. You know. Well, like where what's the what's adherence like saying that, but no, we, we cool with calling no Trump racist for any like small. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's small, a there's a good saying. radar in that. There's a radar in that. Liberals call all the wrong things racist, and then all do a tally. The, all the wrong things. <laughs> <laughs> do a tally of all the things that they are misrepresenting, and then all the things that really are racist that they've turned a blind eye to. Let me take a note. Let me make a note. Let me make a note. De- definitely, <laughs> definitely gotta, definitely gotta. Uh, Definitely gotta do that, but um, like I said, it was, it was so much. I took some of those. There's so much stuff that you guys like, um, that you guys like uh, touched upon, and I know like uh, some of the big project for you. That's something that I do like as well as try to like actually like flip people like to my like to mm-hmm. our like, ideology, and something like I take I take pride in being able like to because uh, I flipped at least three people like hardcore um republicans over to mm-hmm. some left issues especially like on drug uh prohibition and okay, and, <laughs> <laughs> and trying to get and trying to get people like to um to understand um to understand some of the how the media plays some like our, our negative because this was you guys was talking about like negative like cultural things like about um about like black people and how that gets you know like spun up like in the media mm-hmm. and stuff and mm-hmm. how like to like how Tucker Carlson said like, oh I'm not you know like talking uh you know just saying something like because racist like it's just like the facts like mm-hmm. I literally had a conversation with like a dude like he likes like Tucker Carlson like about mm-hmm. that he was talking to me it was about um he's saying like oh well you know like more black people are just like violent, you know, like, and, uh, you know, you're just more like violence as you can see, like in the police, like reports and everything. And I think a, a really effective way, like the, the way I use like to combat it was saying, like, all right, well, let's, you know, let's look at it. So like, why do you think it was more violent, you know, like here than the, why do you think like, you know, like, uh, less violent, like in the hoods and shit. And he was talking about like drug use and like the drug trade. I'm like sure. I'm like so. Do you? But like you know, you know, like, you know, like some, like like poor white people and everything that like to sell drugs and stuff and everything, mm-hmm. right? They're like yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, all right. But like you know, like the police, the police, like um, police presence is extremely different. You know, so like that's playing a huge role 
you know, like into into how it's going to be, how it's going to be shown. Like to me, like like he like he, mm-hmm. like he doesn't. You're gonna if there's more police around, you're gonna be doing more policing. You know, mm-hmm. and then so it works. I mean, like yeah, because like, yeah. when you make shit clear, like it's kind of hard to. You know. Yeah, this is this is the lesson. I, I I could have articulated this differently, but I didn't really realize that this was a nugget of a thesis until all of the debating online today. This mm-hmm. is the lesson that I would like liberals to understand. Calling something a dog whistle isn't enough. I look, you don't have yeah. to explain dog whistles to me. I know what a dog whistle is. I hear all the dog whistles. But if you're not talking to a dog, <laughs> they can't hear it <laughs> you know and like yeah. at the end of the day some of it is in bad faith right there are people who perfectly know well that they're dog whistling and that's you know, and they're doing it intentionally you know that famous what was the bull connor quote who said we used to say inward 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 but now we say whatever they say you know to like have the same implications that black people are bad you know it, it is not enough. No. Like, I understand it feels really good in your liberal soul to scream, but yeah, this is racist and that's the dog whistle. Like, I totally agree with you. But here's the thing. You're not looking for me to agree with you because I already know what's up. And reminder, I am black. <laughs> <laughs> so what you have to figure out is that there are some people like I'm realizing this when I have these conversations with people. There are folks who honestly, partly because Tucker Carlson is telling them, oh, if someone says a dog whistle, it's because they can't prove their case. It's If someone tells you you're racist, because they can't prove their case. Yeah. Well, if Tucker Carlson says that to me up front, and then someone repeats the exact script that Tucker Carlson has told me to anticipate, then the script is increasingly ineffective, and you got to change it up. Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. make that happen. <laughs> that That's the way yeah. it is. So you can keep screaming. But it's a dog whistle at the top of your lungs and be mad when nobody agrees with you. And that doesn't help Mm -hmm. me or my people or keep us from getting shot up in the supermarket. But you can feel Mm -hmm. smug on Twitter about it. Like, you can feel (laughs) smug. I'm not going to take that away from you. But that's not my project. So you do your project and I'll do mine. Exactly. Like, I do want to ask you something, too. Like, reparations was brought up uh, a a couple times. And it's something that, like... um, and in some conversations with my friends that like, I end up like stumbling upon, I want to know how you feel about it. That how if, if like if we if we get you know like if we get like reparations like this 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 is just like a black issue. If we were to get like a reparations, how how do you feel that the first black president and the first black vice president wouldn't be eligible for it? Um, you're trying to ADOS me. You're trying to ADOS me, King. You're trying to get me in the ADOS trap. You know they've been trying to come for me. I ain't trying. I ain't trying to come for you. I'm just like, <laughs> it's just something you know. Like, since it came up in the episode, made me, made me like think about it. I want to see how you, how you felt about it. <laughs> Look, it, it was a conversation. I think pretty openly among Black Americans when Obama was elected that you know it didn't seem mm-hmm. like a real accident that the first Black president would be one, you know, biracial and two, a non, not an American descendant, a citizen of American slavery for a whole Mm. host of reasons. Um, Some of which, you know, it's not his fault, but, you know, in terms of respectability politics in the United States, there has always been more uh, an acceptance of uh, more recent immigrant groups over black Americans. You'll hear people tell say all the time about how Caribbeans are harder working or Africans are harder working or they act right. Mm-hmm. Black Americans are just the scum of the earth. And, mm-hmm. you know, you hear, you know, and obviously there are all the stereotypes about biracial 
people and people feeling strongly that they're superior and hybrid vigor and, oh, he must be smart because of his mom and stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's obviously frustrating. His dad was a PhD, right, at Harvard or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. But, you know, that, that stuff is really annoying. And I think for a lot of Black Americans, they would have had more of a vocal problem with it and more frustration that he was a manifestation of how disrespected we are in our own country, except mm-hmm. for that he married Michelle and validated yeah. us through Michelle. Who Michelle, who was black in all of the ways we needed her to be, dark skin, you know, kinky haired, mm-hmm. you know, four C, beautiful, brown skinned children, you know, Michelle Lavon Robinson, like <laughs> she seems so authentic from the South Side, right? Like that she she sure. covered a multitude of sins. No, like to be to be uh, keep it a buck with you. I'm so glad that Michelle didn't run because I think she Michelle would have like destroyed the left because I think Michelle mm-hmm. Obama would like, undoubtedly like swept. You you know like if she in any if she she would have ran in 2016 or 2020. I think she would just like uh, swept you know like the field and nobody would be really and uh, and you it would be so hard to critique her. You know, I think, and she's especially because she has so much, you know, so much like admiration and everything. Like, it, like I, I definitely think like she would just destroy, you know, more so like the actual progressive left. Although, if she were actually running and had to have some positions and defend them, I think that would switch up really quickly. Sure. Right. Like, I mean, sure. it would be. I'm not saying it wouldn't be difficult, and that she still probably wouldn't win. But I think to the extent that leftists don't really have a problem with her, because you know. Why would I? What has she said that's so terrible? You know, she, she just talks about gardening and whatever. I'm happy for her, you know. But if she started opening her mouth and de- defending her husband's positions, you know, is is has the word drone ever come out of her mouth? You know, like things I could see yeah. things switching up really quickly. I, I don't know, like some some stuff, sure, like you know, but I think just because her her admiration is just so high, like you know, like just how um just how. Biden was able to just, you know, just push aside so much, you know, so much bullshit. And and he was like, you know, just fairly liked. But Michelle Obama yeah, is yeah. love. No, I think know? that she could win, like, I, but I thought you were talking about the left. Like, I think the left mm-hmm. would very quickly start criticizing her the same way we criticize other people. Even though no. she would still win. Like, she, it yeah. would be very difficult. Because you're yeah, right, I she think- is beloved and they love a centrist and they don't care about anything. Yeah, I think I think if, if, if I'm still talk like talking about, about about the left. Like I still think like the left will, I think the left will be more willing to capitulate to her, than than you know like like we had the left, the left was split. I think I feel like the left was more split like towards Biden. Like even though like it was the Sunrise Movement gave him like like an F, they still like endorsed him and shit. Like they were like the left is still you know begrudgingly. You know, um, well, that's true. I mean, if you're saying, I feel, feel if like they, you know, if you're, I mean, the people who already bent the knee to Biden, of course, are going to bend the knee to, uh, <laughs> to, 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 to uh, Michelle. I just don't know that. I feel like I'm already, I mean, but I don't know that I, I don't know. I just feel like this, those of us who haven't are still going to do it to Michelle. I just can't see a world where the people who have been principled this far would have the wool pulled up with eyes by Michelle. Now I do think that, you know, some people are going to have a tougher time criticizing her for the same reason that every criticism of Hillary Clinton, um, got characterized as sexism, but that's, yeah. you know, that's why no, so many leftist bros like me, LOL. All my life. Yo, I just, I made this guy who I have been on some dates with uh-huh. watch the color purple. Cause he hadn't seen it. 
And now every single exchange has a color purple emoji attached to it. And I'm like, he's like, oh, why all these hip hop songs make sense. I was like, what were you thinking? What did you think was happening? Like, I don't understand why these, how these people are raising their children and they're not making them watch the color purple. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand, Jim. Like, I don't understand. I, it's, 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 it's opaque to me, but look, thank you for calling in. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. Always. All right. Take take care. All right, Seth, you're up, my friend. Unmute yourself and let me know what's on your mind. Hey. Um, so uh, what I really uh, wanted to talk about was um, sort of my take on what I think the appeal of um, of replacement theory is for many people, especially, you know, working class white people. And I want to connect that to something that you mention a lot, which is the fact that 60% of people in uh, Florida voted to raise the minimum wage, yet they still elect the Republicans. And then mm-hmm. I want to offer what uh, what I think are the possible solutions to this issue. So okay. I think that the main appeal is, and I mean, I, I listened to, I actually watched your radar twice and I listened to the podcast and the other one you did the other day, but I felt like this, even though maybe this is just so obvious that it's implicit that you didn't feel even the need to say it, but you didn't say this explicitly, so I'm going to say it. I think that it's like if I put myself, pretend that I'm a working class white person who subscribes to replacement theory, right? So if I'm that person, I would say these immigrants are taking our jobs. The Democrats, they're racists. They're given, you know, a bunch of handouts and welfare, and they're taking our tax money, our hard-earned tax money and they're giving it to these immigrants and they're giving it to non-whites because they're a bunch of racists and they're doing it to get those people to vote for them and get more power and then they're gonna with that power let more immigrants in and then give them more of our hard-earned money and get more power and perpetuate that cycle until eventually we are you know wiped out we're in poverty destitute and these people have taken over the country so i think that is sort of the the material appeal of replacement theory to many, many people. And then to connect it with, you know, this thing that you talk about where 60% of people in Florida, they voted to raise the minimum wage to 15 an hour, yet they still elect the Republicans. To me, the answer to why that is, is because they see the Republicans, or let me put it another way. It's, you know, that's great and all, you want to give me free college and you want to give me health care and this and that and all of these, and these, uh, you know, social welfare stuff. But what good is any of that stuff doing me? If Black Lives Matter and Antifa are coming to burn down my house and kill my family, like it's an existential threat to them. And they feel like the Republicans, you know, DeSantis or Trump or whatever, they're big daddy. They're going to protect them from Mm. the impending Mm. threat. So to me, I think that there are a few possible solutions to this problem, but it is a problem that is not going to go away and it's not going to resolve itself on its own. There has to be like a major change that happens in this country. Otherwise, it's just going to continue getting worse and worse until eventually one of these things happens. So I think what we should do is we're essentially going to like make a proposal to these people, make a deal or whatever, and say, listen, here's what we want. What we want is a real democracy. You know, all of the things, all of the structures that you have in our system that give conservatives, Republicans, whatever, that give you uh, an advantage, like the Senate, the gerrymandering, the voter suppression, the electoral college, not having recalls, um, all of that stuff. We want a one person, one vote, proportional representation, popular democracy, where we would then be able to win things like 
you know, all the Bernie Sanders platform, the majority of people want Roe v. Wade upheld, all that kind of stuff. And in exchange for that, if you give us that, what we'll give you is, look, when, you know, if people go out and they start rioting, or as, you know, we would say, look, we, we think that that's bad and people should not do that. And we think that organizations like whatever it is, socialist organizations, Black Lives Matter, they should explicitly say, don't do that stuff. That's bad. We are about nonviolent protest. And similarly with like the, the protesting in people's houses, like the Supreme Court justices, we would say, yeah, okay, it shouldn't be illegal or anything. People should be allowed to do it. But culturally, that's bad. Don't do that. Like you want to protest, go to their office. Go to the public square. Go to government buildings. Don't be protesting at people's houses. Don't be involving people's families and personal lives in this stuff. We will say all that if you give us what we want. That is the compromise. And if and, and the, the great thing about that is those people who are protesting outside of the Supreme Court justices' houses, they wouldn't be protesting in those conditions because, number one, we would get rid of judicial review, so it wouldn't be the justices. And number two... They wouldn't protest at the lawmakers' houses because they would get what they want because what they want is what the majority of people want. The majority of people agree with them about upholding Roe v. Wade. So, and, and the same thing with like the, the George Floyd protests. Again, like those protests probably would not unfold in that way because there wouldn't be that kind of anger because by doing the kind of policies that we want to do in a you know representative democracy and redistributing wealth, it would do a lot to tampen the anger that people feel that led to those protests. It wasn't just about that one murder. It was about a whole bunch of shit that was, that was so, pissed so, off. Just, just so I understand, you're saying that you think that the Demo the Republicans, conservatives are going to give the left everything they want if we agree not to protest? Well, no. What I'm saying is it's essentially an ultimate. Well, not, not that we're not going to protest. No. What I'm saying is we no, will, we're not. We're going to protest politely. We're not going to go to anybody's house. Everything's going to be just marching with a placard in front of the Supreme Court. Right. We want a real democracy where we're not going to use like intimidation to try to get what we want. We're going I think to you've got to... the order of events a little messed up here, Seth. I, I, people didn't say, oh, we're going to protest, you know, throw a brick through a truest window. LOL. That's a joke because all the banks... I don't know what it used to be like Bank of America or Chase or something. Now everything's a truest. I don't know what happened, but I'm not going to throw a brick through a truest window. Um, You know, I I was, I wasn't going to do it, but you you know what I mean? Like the, the, the approach of that escalation of protest happens because nobody responded, you know, violence is the language, right? You know, as riots are the language of the unheard. It's not, I rioted. Because, and you were listening to me and then you stopped listening to me and withdrew all of these benefits and programs because I rioted. Like, that's not the sequence of events. And I don't think what the Republicans want is not for people not to riot. They don't give a shit. They just storm the Capitol. Like, they don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> this isn't – it's performative. They're, they're, it's performative hand-wringing. Tucker's mad about people protesting at the Supreme Court because people protested at his house and he had to move to Maine. Like, because it worked. Do you know what I mean? It worked. And I, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell people what to do. In terms of how to protest, but you're 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 saying that you should preempt the left should preemptively disarm the only thing that's got gotten a rise out of anybody, well, in the no, hopes no. that that's like a show of good faith. And suddenly, despite all of the advocacy and all of the work and all of the progressives we've elected to the office and all of the money that we've spent on all of these causes, they're just going to be like, okay, thanks, you guys have shown a good faith effort to be kind to the Supreme Court justices. So here's some abortion rights. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is. We need a movement of millions of people in the streets demanding democracy. 
And in that context, when we have that kind of a situation, we can say, look, this is the system that we want. Okay. And if you give us that system, yes, we will say like that system will be protected. And if people behave in such ways, then the system will crack down on those people. That's Seth, what we're willing to give Seth, you. Seth, we had 20 million people on the streets and there was they, overwhelmingly they, they, pe- No, no, it was overwhelmingly peaceful. And anybody who would say, oh, I would have given you your human rights, but some infinitesimal fraction of the protesters were not peaceful when someone was killed on camera. Like that's missing- not that's not how negotiation works. Look, I respectfully, I hear your opinion, but I will not be telling anybody to, to how to protest and tone policing protests when no, those no, that's no. the only when we had the largest protest movement in the history of the country, and Joe Biden turned around and said, "Fuck you, you're not black if you don't vote for me," but and and, listen- and a private elite call told black people to kick rocks because they weren't as important as Latinos. Like, that's not, I think you're misunderstanding the power dynamics here. Things will change when there is some kind of legitimate threat, whether it's a threat to capital because there's an organized strike, whether there's some real threat to any kind of electoral successes whatsoever by withholding your vote in a group way, the way that unions used to do and deliver votes to one candidate or another after they had been lobbied. Like, those are the kind of threats that work. Not, oh, we're going to protest. A a polite protest never accomplished anything other than drawing attention to an issue. And if you are in 1960 and white people are largely segregated and not understanding what kind of conditions black people are living under, and they just came out with this new thing called a TV, and you needed to demonstrate that black people would be water hosed and bitten by dogs, that is a useful project because it informs people about how bad life conditions are for a population. And I think the protest did a lot of political education for people in terms of police violence in this country. But awareness is only the first step. And you can't get past that without some real threat to capital. But here's what you're missing, okay? What I'm saying in this situation with these protests is this. What we're saying is, if you don't give us this, we're demanding that the military overthrows the government, okay? And if they don't give it to us, the alternative to what I'm proposing is we are going to fight a war against you. We are going to fight. We are going to fight you as in like, this is going to be full scale war. So we are offering them two choices here. Either you give us the democracy that we're demanding, or this is going to turn into like, first of all, we will see what happened in Buffalo. There'll be one of those every day. Like one day it'll be Buffalo. Next day it'll be an abortion clinic. Next day it'll be a synagogue, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be massively escalating violence and we are going to fight back and we are going to split the military. And this is going to be full-scale war. If you all want that, if you all want to fight a full-scale war, okay. But understand that if that's how that goes, at the end, we're not going to have a democracy. We're going to have a communist dictatorship. And what that means is Tucker Carlson and Fox News will no longer be on the air. People like Tim Pool, they won't be on the internet anymore, okay? We will shut down all of this stuff. If there will be like these people will try to organize underground and they'll commit terrorist attacks. We'll find you, smoke you out of your hole and throw you in prison if you're lucky. That's the alternative. I I, got to confess, I'm a little lost. I don't know who the we is and I don't know what this armed conflict scenario is. I don't think anybody is prepared on the left for any armed conflict. And that's certainly not what I'm advocating here to be really clear. Like I do think we build mass protests for democracy and that, while we are in that political moment, while we are making those demands, while we have the millions of people in the streets, we put an ultimatum to them that tells them these are the these are the options. Either you what's give the us ultimatum? A, Either you give us what? You give us a democracy. You give us a one person one 
one vote, proportional representation, popular democracy. And if you don't, or the, what? Alternative, the alternative is a civil war. That's what's going to happen. Okay, but that's no one's prepared for a civil war. Nobody's Oberlin student with a sign outside of no uh, the Supreme Court. Nobody's like GW grad student is about to like go to war with an armed fascist militia and also most of the army who are like definitely not on our side. But <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's where I'm sorry? we're headed. It's where we're headed, though. It's okay, the then if, if people feel that way, going to happen. Seth? And if they don't give us a democracy, that's Seth? where we are. Headed. If people feel that way and they want to start, like to the first jams jams point about black people feeling all kinds of ways about gun ownership and feeling like they need to protect themselves and get on that bandwagon. God bless. It's a free country. Second Amendment yourself to doing what you got to do. But I, I, I like. You were like 15,000 steps ahead of where anybody is. Nobody on this call, probably 7% of people on this call has ever been in a room with a gun, much less touched one. And like, I've, I, I'm like fully open to ha- talk, having a conversation about a certain degree of militancy. It's Mar- it's Malcolm X's birthday. God bless Malcolm <laughs> out in the ether. Like the energy is obviously in this room, but I don't know that that's quite where we are. I think that it's, it's might be worth doing some credible labor. You know, if, if people are saying we can't have a general strike because we're not organized enough, but you're like, we're going to do a full blown militia. I think that's a little disproportionate, but I appreciate you I'm calling not, in and other guests should feel free to weigh in maybe, on this. I'm sorry. I got to move on. Seth. What I'm saying though, like don't misrepresent what I'm saying. That's okay. I apologize. Seth. People should go ahead and listen back to what Seth said and, and take from it what they will, but I got to move on. Andrew, can you unmute yourself and let us know what's on your mind? Even though that was a lot, that was a lot in a major, major way, because uh, I didn't get from when he went from wanting us to peacefully have more peaceful protests for the 95 percent of BLM protests in the summer that were peaceful or then then we're having revolution. Um, Seth, he was certainly in many directions in there, but he still has a good heart, I think, for sure. And he definitely, you know, wants to at least see a direct democracy and instead of the republic that we have in hand. But having said all that, Bray, how are you doing? We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> and we continue to talk about the replacement for Bill Lyle full term, which is, you know, it's like a call center with that in the major way. With it first, I'm going to say, hopefully we get black reparations for sure, people. And Wells Fargo needs to be fully disbanded because of it being so terrible, as well as many banks, as well as almost every large bank, but especially Wells Fargo with what they did in regards to making fake interviews for both black and also women um, job candidates when they had already given the job towards them. So just want to make sure people don't lose um, that whole news with it. But back to this whole thing and this great friendship that you're building with Soledad O'Brien <laughs> and, and how, you know, well, first off, for any of those like her or other um, type of liberals like that, now there are certainly black liberals that will have good points in regards to if they actually saw what you said on Rising with that, but people like her who were anti-Bernie and who want to keep their millions and keep their taxes being low and just are performative like that, you know, we all know that they are just, you know, hollow, and they always get the price right for losing because, because they're just ridiculous. So we know what they are with that, 
as well as Catherine Pone dealing with Day Sirota with how much of an elite she is, how problematic she is with that as well. We just know that they're just formative with it and they don't really mean it when it comes to wanting to have a true, true politician people like, say, Bernie Sanders or Nina Turner or uh, Corey Bush, whatever. Having said that, though, Bree, I will say, though, that, you know, Sucker Carlson, he really knew what he <laughs> meant right there, and he wasn't race neutral with it. In fact, it was so problematic for him where basically just for 10 seconds for people, just in regards to when he was talking about Haitian um, immigrants getting amnesty, he went and proposed his replacement theory like this. To change the population of the United States. And they hate it when you say that because it's true. But okay. that's a- now, this is my thing here. Okay, I'm going to stop, stop you right there. I'm going to tell you where I'm Andrew. That is yes. literally race neutral. Like, I, I need you guys to hear the full sentence that I said. He uses race neutral language. And I got to tell you, you can whine about it. You can complain uh-huh. about it. You can say, oh, but it's a dog whistle. And we all know what that means. I promise you, people don't know what that means. And if what, someone what, what, says, what, 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 no, 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 which people, which people, the people who you actually need to convince. If you want to sit here and talk, have a conversation what? to me, we can talk about Kimberly Crenshaw, CRT all day and night. I'll be like, yes, King. But guess what? I'm not the one shooting up grocery stores. Okay. Oh, so oh. everyone can feel smart. No, and no, 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 Andrew. What we're not going to do. I said he uses race-neutral language, and you played me a clip where he literally says we're going to change the composition of this country. Now, you and I both know what that means, but it doesn't do us any good to sit there and say Tucker Carlson is racist. If you want to say Tucker Carlson is racist, you have full carte blanche to go out into the world and the Internet and do it. I have said it Mm -hmm. many times myself. I just did an entire episode about Tucker Carlson in the New York Times deep dive in white supremacy. Okay? But I'm on a different political project. And, I, and that video was trying to explain to people who are distrustful of accusations of racism why people feel like Tucker Carlson is racist. What? And I took the clip that everyone's been putting around saying this is proof of racism in which at no point does he talk about people's race. He talks about their national origin, okay. all kinds of things, which are obviously code for race. But me saying with my hands on my hips and my chin stuck out, that's obviously code for race, convinces zero people who don't already agree with me. Well, well Bree, but this is the thing, though, because you're talking mainly about white people who are conservative with that. Those are the people that we need to convince because a large majority of uh, minorities, particularly black Americans or minorities, know you know, in regards to it. Now, you're talking about the people who deny and who think that there's colorblind and wonder why black people are so aggressive and already have those. And we talked about this the other night in regards to a lot of people thinking that the world has been neutral this whole time and being oblivious towards how America was founded, how America is continuing in those advantages of their being oblivious towards that and thinking that we black people are the racist ones, that we black people are the ones that are really hostile with it, that segment that I've displayed the clip was again about Haitian immigrants getting amnesty in their time of need from another awful storm that Biden administration, one of the rare decent things that centrists would be doing with this, and him as well as other in regards to immigrants coming across the border from down south and trying to get a whole better life from the difficulties of Guatemala, El Salvador, 
for those in Central America. And, Andrew, and do you think like, I don't understand that? Like, I just, I'm trying no, to figure no, no, out no, who no, you're no, explaining Bree. this to. Who is this, who is this lecture about Tucker Carlson being Bree, racist for Bree, right I'm now? Bree. I'm not lecturing. I'm Bree. No, I'm, I'm really just trying to understand. Can we, I just, I need to, there's a huge cue and I'm just trying to understand here, Bree, Andrew. I'm not like, lecturing you at all. So, I'm just saying so what, that who those, is this for? This is for those that believe that Tucker Carlson could be race neutral in his language if you don't then have the context or what topics he was referring to. It'd be one thing if he was saying this about any European Americans coming over and especially no, no, no. in regards to Look, frame with Andrew, that, but he Andrew, wasn't doing that. Andrew, this is the entire point. This is the entire point. You liberals saying things like, well, the context. Oh, oh, he was talking about Haitians, and obviously Haitians are black, so it must be racial. But you're preaching to the choir. Though. No, it doesn't to people who don't already agree with you. But, but Andrew, they're I, already going to be racist like that. Okay, all right. So, so Andrew, no, 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 Andrew. They're not going to agree because they don't think racism is a problem in this country. Andrew, Bree. your position is that there are people who are racist and they can't be talked to and they are all working in bad faith and can't understand. And then there's everyone who agrees with you. So basically your position is that no one's changing. I respect that position. Go forth and live your life and don't change anything. I'm doing an experiment where I'm going to try. I might fail. I might succeed, but I'm doing something else. So I, I don't want anybody to tell me to do a different project if they just fundamentally don't think that that's a project that has a potential goal. I am happy to talk about better ways to do the project, how to refine the project, but messaging that works differently and better. But if your position is there's two groups of people, one group of people who like Tucker Carlson because they're racist and they cannot be disavowed of that. They understand perfectly what a dog whistle is and they don't give a damn. And people who are already in the choir and agree with me and Soledad O'Brien, then God bless you. I respect that position. I disagree with it, but that's where we are. Sorry, Andrew, I put you in the invite to speak, but I meant to say make you next caller. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I, I definitely, there's a lot of people that are just lovely Americans who certainly are, as I say, not racist, because I understand there are a lot of people that wrongly use and label people, you know, as racist with that. Certainly, I'm one of those people right there with you that find it very problematic when people who certainly um, haven't experienced racism try to tell other people this is racist or this person is racist and not understanding the full totality of the person. For example, not every Trump voter um, that's white that is racist. That's just the reality. Or, or anybody that votes Republican, that's they're not you know, racist with that. That's something that's definitely the case. But the thing that's key, though, is that for this specific individual, with what he's doing with that is that he is then having this language that he's saying repeatedly. And it's like, why are you saying this language repeatedly, Sucker Carlson? Like, why? Like, is it is it a problem if this country has a different demographic with that? And why are you trying to say that this is what they are trying to do? Wait. Like, People that just want to come to this country and become Americans and they Well, Andrew, that was literally white. the content of my radar, so now I'm confused. Literally the subject of my radar but, was saying but, all but, of what you just said, but, but making but, the but, argument instead of just talk, starting it off saying, well, he's obviously a racist. Well, 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 Tuck Carson certainly is racist. But I'm talking about the people that we have to convince or people convince. Not all of them are racist. That's that's the difference with that. Sarkozy's racist. Like he's had documented proof of this. 
in major, major ways. And then also what he said with Kentonji Brown Jackson in regards to saying, oh, she was an affirmative action hire when she's literally the most Okay, you're, those are all just dog whistles, court. Andrew. So I'm, I got to get through some of this cue, okay. Andrew. I really appreciate you calling right. But what you're doing no is articulating dog whistles and saying, but don't you know they're dog right. whistles? And I got to say, I, 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 I'm I too old. I'm too old, and this day has been too long for me to be having someone right. explain dog whistles to me at my great age of almost 37 I'm, years I'm, on I'm, earth. I'm, so God bless I'm, you, I'm, Andrew. But I don't right. think there's any confusion no, about okay. that. My point that I articulated at the top of this Andrew, okay. is that everyone understands what a dog whistle is in this crew, but there are people who don't. And insisting to, on hitting that bell, dog whistle, dog whistle, dog whistle, is banging yeah. your head against a wall. So if you respectfully, if you believe that there are people, there's no such thing as a person who doesn't understand a dog whistle, just bad faith actors, I respect that position. Maybe you're right, mm-hmm. but I'm not there yet. So I do, as yeah. always, appreciate you calling in, Andrew, with well, all your bo- uh, bells and whistles. Well, well, all right, we got to keep it pushing. We got to keep it pushing. Okay, John, unmute yourself and let us know what's on your mind. Bree, can you hear me? I can. Let, let's, let's hit it. What's happening, my friend? <clears throat> um, I just wanted to tell you that I do think it is a, um, a worthwhile project to try and figure out ways to debunk or pick apart these arguments from people like Tucker Carlson, um, you know, without using that dog whistle language. I do. Um, I'm not so sure what that is besides, you know, really deep critical lines of questioning to these people that caused them to sort of hang themselves. And mm-hmm. those different questions have to be designed in different ways, depending on what the topic is. But um, yeah, and I also wanted to just give you a little bit of encouragement. And I feel like you're really finding your footing um, on rising. Like, there's a rhythm now that I, you know, that that I'm kind of picking up that didn't seem to be there when you first were started with, you know, with Robbie and with the rest of the panel. Mm-hmm. And and then people in the comments, they don't be listening to you. They just don't listen. I, well, that's I, the I, thing. I, the last couple of radars, I've been really <laughs> impressed with the fact that, like, I, I'm trying, I'm figuring out, like you said, like, I'm figuring it out. I'm figuring it out how people communicate and, you know, how they ingest information. And I'm figuring out how to talk to an audience that's differently composed than an audience that I normally talk to. And, yeah, it's going to take time. And, and I, I feel more steady about it every day, but I was really heartened to hear not just reception to this Tucker Carlson article, um, radar, but my radar today about, it was a full on lefty one about all the corporate Democrat, uh, all the corporate money coming in to try to unseat all of these, uh, progressives running and mm-hmm. summer Lee and John Fetterman and all of them succeeding despite increased efforts from APAC and DMFI and all these groups. Mm-hmm. And, and they're in the comments saying a lot of people, you know, I, I don't agree. I'm not a leftist. I don't agree with Brianna, but this, this was a good radar. This is a good point. Like I'm convinced, like, you know, and that to me is worth so much more than whatever Soledad O'Brien thinks that she's perched on top of her horse. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. this isn't for you, boo. <laughs> right. And, and, and I, that's what I wanted to say too. It is, it is your radars that are really like hitting and, you know, sometimes these quick takes, you you know, when you don't have a lot of time to articulate what's going on and you maybe ask Robbie a critical question or just pose a question. Like there was that one thing that you said a few days ago when they were talking about um, censorship, um, tech mm-hmm. censorship, maybe it was. And you had simply just asked the question, like, what does it look like? What, what you know, what are the, the rules that should be in place on these tech platforms? And there were just like a bunch of comments and that was just so nonsense. It's like, did you, why are you like assuming that she's thinking 
one way about this. And she literally just asked the question. Right. And they didn't have a response. I mean, like everybody on the panel agreed that obviously there's, there's some content moderation. Like, like that was what was frustrating me. It's like, it's very easy to sit here and say, oh, everyone's doing it wrong. And I agree it's being done wrong, but like, I, I don't know. I get a little bored with that. Like, so what does it look like? Cause that's to me, the in- interesting intellectual project. That's the I mean, work. It's, if we think it's, do- they're doing it wrong. How about we offer up some suggestions? And then everyone was kind of like, oh, well it's gotta be. So then the whole panel agrees that there has to be some moderation, but I'm the lib versus I'm the censorious lib see, for suggesting see? the thing that everybody agrees with. That's what I'm talking about. Like yeah. they leave you to like actually do like the heavy lifting and people don't want to think that hard. And so, like, that's uh, what it is. Nobody wants to think at all. (laughs) No, it is hard. No, I'm not talking about my host, obviously. I'm just talking about people in the world. Oh, yeah. All day. Mm -hmm. All day. So this whole thing that all the events of last of this past week and your radars and listening to a lot of other things have inspired me to do a new work after I finished my first musical about imperialism and lithium. Um, Not a musical about imperialism. Step aside, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. (laughs) Oh, I ain't playing out here. We need, man, we need a left-wing, like, musical, like a real, like, you know what I'm saying? Come on now. But, you know, I'm like, what would happen? And see, I would love to have you as a creative consultant, like, you know, David Sirota um, on, um, whatchamacallit, Don't Look Up. But what Mm. would happen if... All the minorities, all these non-legacy Americans in big, (laughs) giant air quotations went back to where the fuck they came from, supposedly, which is a big, another big air quotation. Because where did I come from? Los Angeles, I have no clue. I mean, right. I mean, we could piece together something from 23andMe, but I don't want the government to have my DNA. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. So just like what would happen, right? Like what would that world look like? And. How will they still get, you know, screwed over by corporations and screwed over? Like, how would our government change, right? Would there even be a Democratic Party? And, you know, what other ways would they, what what ways would the gaming mechanisms of, of our society change to rig it for the oligarchs that are already, you know, running the show? When you, when you, when you started this, I thought you meant that all the white people should go home. Like, the, sorry, that all the recent right. immigrants should go home. You know, like, that's what, like, kind of trips me out when I was reading the manifesto. He has this little bit where he talks about his, you know, perceived ethnic origin. And he's like, some Northern European and some Italian. And I was like, boo, they weren't going to let you in either. Like, I don't know who that Italian ancestor was, but you were blocked. There were quotas on Italians before those 1965 acts, too. Like, I don't know who you Mm -hmm. think you were. Listen, in every major city I know, the neighborhoods got gentrified just like everybody else's. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, it's, uh, yeah. I don't yeah. It. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I, I think rather than, you know, if I could change your analogy a little bit and say, instead of going home, if all of the minorities <laughs> that the democratic party is dependent on to ever win a single election ever actually banded together and withheld their vote. I mean, because black people vote most consistently as a ethnic group in this country, I always think of us and mm-hmm. what incredible power would come if, because we're already voting as a block to, if we, you know, stopped <laughs> or voted as a block in a different direction or threatened to withhold our votes. That was what mm-hmm. I was advocating for 
timidly, albeit, but, you know, in that piece about litmus test that I wrote in the summer of 2020, you have all these people mm. in the streets and they're making like no real demands, you know, and Biden's yeah. after saying you ain't black and, you know, <laughs> being kind of the worst saying we're going to fund the police more and being a real pill, you know, it might, oh, wait, you... that was the wrong button. wait, 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 Stupid there it is. <laughs> It might yield some similar results as if we just poof disappear. That might be even better. Aliens come to get everybody and we just poof disappear. Oh, so this is this is Derek Bell. Derek Bell, evil, evil CRT Derek Bell. He wrote this short story that I read uh summer twenty twenty. Um that's great. Like I, I'm not really familiar with a lot of his fiction, um, but a friend of mine hit me to it, who you know is a better black person than I did, and went to Howard and like read all the books. And he said Aww. that. <laughs> and then this story was basically exactly that. Like, so aliens come to Earth. This is Derek Bell. Like, this stuff is. Gee, I want to write stuff like this. Derek Bell come. Uh, sorry, uh, aliens come to Earth and are like, okay, bet <laughs> we're gonna solve all your problems. We're gonna cure world <laughs> hunger. There's gonna be no more war. Here's uh, the antidote to cancer. Like, it's going to be great. Here's here's a battery that has enough energy, clean energy to power the entire world for the next millennium. Like, it's all yours. You just got to do one thing for me. And humans hmm. are like, what? And they're like, give us all the black people. What? And they're like, hmm. <laughs> okay, see, but like, what? <laughs> and they don't say what they're going to do with the black people. There's no questions. They're just like, we want the black people. They're going to start a record label. Duh. Stop. I know. I know. Let me shut Stop. up. I know. But you know where that came from. That's old school Chappelle show. But, uh, man. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the story, you know what happens? They got, they describe a scene of a bunch of black people wearing like little diaper panties being lined up shackled onto the spaceship just looking dejected because they already knew what was up they they knew what it was gonna be the second the alien said that they wanted black people they were like well <sighs> oh that is my- <laughs> the coldest thing i've ever heard in my life yo <laughs> wait a second i mean come on like come on what, what were right. they gonna do you know cure cure all the pro- world's problems and you get to get rid of black people <laughs> I mean, this, it's almost not even a It's not even a. It's not even a downside. It's not even a trade. Well, this was a. This was the bargain of the of the transatlantic slave trade. This was the bargain. It just you know we weren't curing cancer or anything, but you yeah, know, you could have a better life. We're gonna solve a lot of issues if you just you know <laughs> do yeah. some slavery for a few hundred years and yeah, you know, just to build bit, a whole country off like of it. it. Right. That's wild, Bree. What what's right. that called? And where can I read it? I don't know, but if you di- Google Derek Bell here, I'll do it right now. Derek okay. Bell, uh, alien story. Uh, the sci-fi story that offends oversensitive white conservatives in the Atlantic. Oh, Space Traders. It's called Space Traders. Space Traders. I'm so ready. Thank you so Tra- much for yeah. the suggestion. Yeah, traders like trading cards, not like trader like uh, the Confederacy. Trader Joe's. Or tra- <laughs> yeah, or Trader. Yes, yes. Like tra- Trader Trader Joe's. All right. Thank you, okay. John. Yeah, keep, thanks. Keep the faith. Free. You too. All right, Sylvester, what's on your mind, Sly? First off, do we have any sage that we can break out real quick? <laughs> I'm ready. Oh, my God. Gonna... <laughs> 
Yeah, I knew you was in the mood when you you didn't even have time for uh Andrew's bells and whistles. Andrew like, knows I love him, but Andrew, come on now, we got we got a cue. Nah, but it's just today. I mean, you got Soledad clutching her pearls over you and your comments and everything. Um, I wanted to do a check in with you. How how are you feeling? Let me tell you, I got I got a chamomile beer in the refrigerator that I'm thinking of right now. But like, I'm really torn because I have been eating very terribly and not running on the weekends because I've been getting up to. I'm not I'm not liking I'm on TV all the time now and I'm not liking the cut of my jib and I really <laughs> want to drink I really want to drink this chamomile beer but I also just ran four miles and I'm like Brianna like you know how hard it was to run up that hill and all the Michael Bolton in the world you know I like to I like to when I run I like to listen to <laughs> go the distance from Hercules <laughs> what and there's this part oh, of the song where he goes, it's an uphill slope, but I no. won't lose hope. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'll be running up Connecticut. <laughs> listen, listen. If, if you like it, I love it for you. <laughs> if you like it, I love it for you. But, um, you know, with the, I really I really did enjoy, I enjoyed the episode. Um, I respected the, um, the, what's it called? What's the thing that you do on Rising? The where the radars, get up, the radar, the radar. Mm-hmm. You know, because the thing is, I think where people are getting upset is because you're 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 shifting away from doing the thing that's easy to do, like like what's comfortable for them. So like it's easy to call Tucker a racist, right? Anybody, you know, it's not hard to right. do that. Right. We all do it. Like we all, we all do it. It's we know we know it. We know the whistles no. like you were saying earlier, you know. Um it's it's easy to do that, but then doing that plays into his strategy because like you were saying, if you just look at the language he uses, don't take anything, just look at the language the man uses. Then his rhetorical will be like, where is the where's the racism? I'm just stating like just like you were saying, right? But it's easy. So people, I think people start feeling like I, I, I to me, I think people start feeling insecure with their positions and what they're doing. Um, because you challenging and trying to do something else, like kind of lets them know, like, hey, listen, well, whatever we're doing isn't working because we've been doing this, we've been calling it out for what it is, and things aren't changing. Like I was thinking about what a homie said on the podcast when he brought up the poor people's campaign too, mm-hmm. right? They pulled up. I was, they pulled up to LA. I was there. I planned to go to DC to see what that was about. And he was right. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's has no teeth and like all, basically all of the energy that Rev Barber with, you know, whatever he's doing is, is, like a replay of 2020 where like all that energy got sucked into elect Joe Biden. And it's like, okay, now we're going to go, we're going to march to the polls and then elect who to do what with what majority to pass what policy. Yep. But it's easy to sing and dance in the streets. Yep. I mean, (laughs) I mean, my enemy is obviously not the kid. I mean, people are being direct. People are being told that this is what they should do. And it, feel you know it was 2020 and it was COVID and people did feel like it was like a sacrifice of sorts to be out but also people kind of wanted to be out I mean there were a lot of interesting social factors that I'm sure many theses and dissertations will be written about 
in the years to come that, you know, that created the conditions for so many people to go out there. But look, we got to be thinking differently when, when Chris Hedges says, if you know, that you're, you're, they have to be afraid. That is it. Like that's the whole ball game. And you have to be thinking when you take some political action, is this inspiring fear or not? And I'm not saying like that, that means a threat of violence. That means political consequences. That means economic consequences. There are so many ways about this. And I'm really um, trying to get an episode together about how women in countries with much more conservative politics have won abortion rights mm. because through direct militancy, not through like hoping and praying that Joe Biden <laughs> will stop endorsing the anti-choice candidate Quayar and finally come down for Cisnero. Like, oh, like please, pretty please, like we're Oliver Twist. You know, I, I I think that that needs to be the example because for a very long time we we have been propagandized with a version of Martin Luther King that is not right. inspiring the kind of conflict that needs to happen. And when I mentioned people are big mad about me pointing out that Tucker Carlson quotes Martin Luther King, he quotes Martin Luther King constantly, and he uses and conservatives have done this colorblind dance for a really long time where they pretend ignoring race is what he was talking about. And ignoring the effects of racism, where Martin Luther King was talking about, but to the to the blind eye, to you know, people need to list, people need to watch Tucker's show, you know, yeah. and not just some clip or montage. Like you gotta you gotta look the enemy in the face and understand why it is the most popular show in cable television. Because mm-hmm. if you are just a casual person with a basic understanding of what race and racism is, which is the average human being who has not gone to Wesleyan. I'm coming for all the seven sister schools today. <laughs> An average human being who has not gone to some like fancy, you know, nice liberal arts college, then you hear someone say Tucker Carlson is racist. You turn on the TV and he's talking about how much he <laughs> loves Martin Luther King and wants everybody to get along, but just wants to respect the interests of like Americans and thinks this American culture is good enough, is positive, a positive thing and should be preserved. Then you're going to get confused. Right. And, and and you can say Actually, that person is stupid. You can say, yeah, you're not going to Go get ahead. confused. You're going to be like, yo, why are they like, like they're lying. Like he didn't say nothing racist. Like, look at what he said. Like, right. They're going right. to look at us like we crazy. Cause and yeah. That, yeah. And that is not me agreeing that he's not racist. Right. That's me pointing out the obvious that this is how he's being perceived. And if you want to be persuasive to people who don't understand what the big deal is with Tucker Carlson, you're going to have to have a better understanding of what they see instead of dictating from the pulpit of what you see. Mm, that's a word right there. That's yeah. Someone clip that. Someone, someone <laughs> you, you clip that. That's the word. I heard the period. You didn't even have to say. It. I heard the period at the at the end of that one. And uh, like again, you and and I I love how you again like we have to try something. And you're not advocating for what you know what, where Seth started going with it. Not advocating <laughs> for, for civil war. Man, people. Seth's I'm trying Seth, to get they, me kicked off the platform. Like there's censor people out here, guys. Like. <laughs> People really, I mean, to me, I, think, I was talking today about it. Uh, I was talking today in a case study about it the other day. But then mm-hmm. just the way that people, like, throw around a lot of the, this, these historical events and try to put it on the day where it's just like, yo, bro, like, I don't know if you really understand what that means, like, civil war. And like you said, I, I ain't ready for that. <laughs> like, like who's, ready, who's ready for that? You know, we we like we we not we not ready for that. But you know, but what what you're talking about in terms of like switching like switching the strategy and how like uh, Tucker 
stops, you know, gives that clip. Just the same way that people took your your radar out of context mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. will just take his clips and just run off that and not listen to the whole thing. He does the same thing to Martin, right? And won't touch mm-hmm. into how he was, you know, uh, challenging classism and, and economic. And he won't, he's not going to touch on, he's not going to touch on any of that. And it's not also, it's also um, what happens is that we don't, we get that pacified version of Martin, like, you know, like you were saying, where, again, where people, like at the poor people's camp, not to keep throwing them under the bus or anything like that, but mm-hmm. like where you'll go out and then you'll feel good doing what you're doing and you feel like you're doing something. But then what ended up getting Martin killed? It wasn't because he was trying to get people to sit on the bus together. Integration. That's not what got him killed is when he started going after the economics. Right. And like ultimately, mm-hmm. like the place that we have to get to um, is that there's going to be some struggle if we really want to get what what we need to be okay, because uh, like I'll give you an example. Um, right now, we got people in L.A. and across the country like they're trying to organize uh, a protest for families who have been impacted by police violence. So I'm on the call and I ask a question. I say, OK, what's is this a one day action? And then what's the objective of it? And they say, yes, it's a one day action. And then um, the objective is to bring more awareness around these these issues. But like you said, we're aware, mm-hmm. like we know of it, right? And mm-hmm. then like after that day, then what happens? We go home, mm-hmm. they go back to doing what they're doing. There's no real demand other than what we're yelling and chanting. But then mm-hmm. when I offered, I said, hey, listen, why don't we go through like uh, the budget summary for the respective cities and we look at which business brings the most tax revenue into the city. And then we specifically target that business that brings the most tax revenue into the city with a pro like a prolonged protest until they make some concessions in restructuring the budget, right? Mm-hmm. You know what the first response was? Man, that's gonna be kind of hard. <laughs> <laughs> like you mean like every day? I was like, yeah, like every day. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where the kind like that's that's the next phase of like where do we go from here? Is that do we are we do we are we comfortable with doing the uncomfortable thing the same way that the project that you're on, which is you're going to try to reach the soccer moms, you're going to try to reach the people that we don't normally reach. And I don't think that you're conceding any space in terms of like your values and your morals or anything. OK, it's just different messaging for a different crowd that needs to hear a different message that isn't going to resonate with the base. But that's the hard work. Yeah, it's difficult, too, because it's like I'm in a test kitchen right now. I feel like rising is such an opportunity to play with this a little bit and just to figure some stuff out. It's it's really amazing right now having these three different platforms that are, I mean, they're so different. Like this call-in, getting to engage with you guys and kind of moot issues in real time with kind of friendly fire is so constructive for me. And the conversations we had here were instrumental to what ended up being in the radar and ended up being in the episode with irony. Like, I'm sure you guys can all hear that and feel that. And then bad faith is like a more refined version of it where I have a guest that usually has some kind of expertise and we're mooting it like one-on-one and can kind of crystallize these issues. And then rising at this opportunity for me to just, you know, expound direct into a camera, you know, a hundred percent, my perspective, I can make my case with a captive audience is much bigger than I normally have, but also much more ideologically diverse. And it challenges me to be clear in a way that I don't have to be on my own platform because I know everyone already has the built-in knowledge and 
everyone's you know patron and has listened to the last 170 odd episodes and knows exactly where I'm coming from and I can use a shorthand and it is making me grow having to defend my beliefs to Robbie and Kim and like moot things on that show and then to also know that I'm not going to get away with an easy version of events when I talk to the audience it makes me better and it's just very frustrating for people like Soledad and you know she's just a stand-in for a whole broader political culture to not see that as such an amazing opportunity and not see me as a chef in a test kitchen who's trying to get recipes right and instead see me as like some arsonist who's trying to like poison all your food. <laughs> it's like, come on, like I'm doing this for you. Like I, I have this opportunity to do this thing that other people don't really have to do. I'm small enough. I don't matter that much. Like I can you experiment a little, I would think. I'm not like on MSNBC, like with some expectation that I'm going to bend the knee to something. Like this is... These are amazing opportunities. I feel so grateful for it. And it's just, it's like demoralizing the people who are mad at me. Like yesterday, there was none of this backlash. Everybody was happy. The comments were all good. Everyone was like, I like Tucker Carlson, but this girl's making sense. Today, who's mad at me? My alleged <laughs> allies, black women. You know what I mean? Not all black women, you know. Not all black women. Queens. I see go. some of you in the chat, by the way. I'm about to bring you up. I'm about to start hopping around after Sylvester. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, no, I'll, and I'll there. end with it. I'll, I'll end with it so, mm-hmm. so that we get everybody else up. But then uh, I really, I believe that you're on a, a Martin, not to put too much pressure on you, but a Martin Luther King-esque type of project. And, I, I you know, everybody should watch it. If you haven't watched it, go watch King in the Wilderness. Um, and there's like, there's a part in the, in the documentary where, um, I, it's after, I think it's, I think it might be during the watch riots and everything. And then like, obviously what he was pushing for like people were angry right Mm -hmm. so they wanted to respond with that and then you know he responded he was yelling he was just like yo i'm tired of violence like and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go there no matter who says it right and it was he was even like again pastors black pastors would tell them like hey listen you cause them get out of here like we're not with what what you're trying to do and when you're trying something different to to reach a much broader audience than just everybody who agrees with you you're going to have those people that's going to come at you, right? But when those mo- moments of doubt start to creep in and you and you start like, hey, like, what's the point? Of, like, is it even worth it to keep on doing what I'm doing, right? I want you yeah. to put on that Hercules song <laughs> that gets you up that hill. And I want you to keep on moving, okay? Because <laughs> the work you're doing is so important and you are so necessary. So I'll end with that. Um, get that sage going and let's let's keep on having this conversation. I appreciate you, Sylvester. Keep the faith, my friend. All right. Let's hop around a little bit. Fayola. Let's just get some gender parity in the mix. How you doing this evening? What's on your mind? Oh, she wasn't ready. She didn't know I was coming for her like that. She was all comfortable back in the queue. Doesn't know that she needs to unmute herself to speak her piece. She's going to be mad when she finds out. Hi. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I was not prepared. (laughs) No worries. What's on your mind this evening? Okay, so I am a non-American, so excuse any ignorance that comes. It's allowed. This isn't Tucker Carlson's show. (laughs) (laughs) LOL, LOL. I kid, I kid. (laughs) Non-immigrant, non-American. Okay, so let's have that caveat. But I did watch the podcast today mm-hmm. with your guest who I was I was so much in agreement with for like most even when you were trying to reel him in, I was so behind <laughs> him. 
Um, but I, I want to find out what it is about the American left that is unable to turn things into boogeymen in the same way that the American right is able to do. So is there a way for the American left to turn GRT into the SCRT? That is such a good question and a poignant observation. Uh, here's why I think, here, I don't know the clear answer, but here's some, an observation I will make in return. Literally, this man wrote a manifesto saying, hello, I would like to introduce myself. I'm a white supremacist. I hate black people. Here's a chart showing you how to spot Jews. I mean, it's, it's, it's intense. It's what this man hates him. <laughs> some black people and some Jewish people. Like, like literally like there's like, like the pages on blacks, pages on Jews, and then like a paragraph on um, Asians, a paragraph mm. on quote Arabs. He's like, yeah, I don't like, love them either. But he really, 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 really hates blacks and Jews. This man could not be, he's like, hi, I'm a white supremacist. I believe that there's a white genocide and we need to kill people who are not white in order to preserve the white race. Like it does not get more explicit. The man is like, hello, good morning. I'm a white supremacist. And yet people are still tiptoeing around the idea of calling him a white supremacist. They want to be big and bad about Tucker Carlson being a white supremacist, but they won't call the man who just murdered 10 black people a white supremacist. And is that because, because I heard you speak in the same podcast, or was it a different one? I'm not sure. That you refrain from using certain terms because you know it will be weaponized. Is it that? Is it that they don't want to call anybody like you literally have to see them kill someone using the n-word live on camera but even that is not enough the man that the man had this is your reparations on his gun and that wasn't enough for people to feel like they need to stop pussyfooting around this notion so this is this is what's crazy to me like we have lost so much footing because we have spent so much time calling things that are more ambiguously white supremacist mm. and, and racist, white supremacy and racism. Like everyone is happy to sit there around like a kumbaya table with, you know, uh, Kendi X Wiley. I mean, like, I don't mean to put it on these individual people, but like, you know, everyone can kumbaya on NPR about how, you know, um, the, the lack of diversity in, mm. you know, uh, the Oscars is a white supremacy, you know, like, you know, the high, the HR decisions at my law firm are white supremacy. You know, the fact that I go on the dating app and on OkCupid, you know, white people don't want to date me is white supremacy. <laughs> like all these things that like, I'm sorry, like they're, I'm not, they're not irrelevant. Like they hurt your feelings and it's not nice. And maybe it is white supremacy. Like, I'm not even going to argue that. Like a lot of stuff is white supremacy. My, I have a maximalist view of it where if you're going to ask me honestly what I think, I think everything's white supremacy. I think everyone's racist. I think we're all bathed in it and it's very hard to escape. And the best you can do is kind of be conscious of it and try to check yourself. But, you know, I understand that that point of view that I have is very alienating to people who perceive mm-hmm. racism as, a, as, as not just a thing the in the mix. Sin. It's the biggest sin. And if you think it's the biggest sin, and if people like Tanisi Coates are telling people it's the biggest sin, then that really shuts down conversation. So I, I, I didn't make that universe. Other people made that universe. I'm just living in it. So I'm trying to figure right. out how to negotiate that. 
how do I get someone to talk about racism when I know that saying racism is going to shut down the conversation at the same time that I think everything is racism? <laughs> I don't know the answer, but I'm trying to figure it out. Like we're all, this is the test kitchen. Welcome. Have a taste. <laughs> well, okay. So there's, there's two things I want to say about, I think it's so strange as an outsider looking in to see people's reaction to this, to like gruesome violence, mm-hmm. right? Which race, clearly race-based gruesome violence. Mm-hmm. And to see it, see the reaction to it, and it, it, the kind of timid, hesitant reaction to it, mm-hmm. and the massive pull clutching over a slap. So a word, <laughs> a word. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was so confused <laughs> this whole week trying to comprehend. The difference in the scale of reaction. <sighs> and how are we able to talk about things so differently and show so much angst and, and worry over one thing and, and just tippy toe around another? It, it, it's bewildering. It is bewildering. And this is why I refuse, like, I refused to engage in this. Oh, but Will Smith is like, what am I, 12, like tw- a two-year-old? Do you really need me to like performatively say that people shouldn't hit each other? No, 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 little Charlie. You shouldn't hit people. Like, what is this? That's what you need me to use my rhetorical talents to do? Like, oh, don't hit people, kids. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're, you're completely right. Look, you're completely right to, to, to set up the other. In fact, I would love to hear some liberals. If liberals want to do some libbing, go ahead and do a segment where you do a side-by-side comparison of Tucker Carlson's response to the, the shooting and there was his response to the slap. Now, I will say you're going to be a little rattled because Tucker Carlson did come out and say, obviously, this, gruesome, this shooting was gruesome and wrong and absolutely mm-hmm. condemnable. And that's what people don't understand about Tucker. He knows enough not to pick battles he can't win. Unlike liberals, right? He's not going to sit here and pretend like this. He's going to give a quick repudiation and then move on to a subject that's better for him. Right. And and the final thing I will say today is that mm-hmm. I feel that the, when you see people, your allies, as you talked about, jump on you today for saying something that they clearly did not, watch the whole segment with any kind of mm-hmm. they clearly didn't watch it they took a, either a clip or a screenshot and they, they clearly didn't watch the segment because then they would see that what they thought you were saying you're not saying because if you just looked at the screenshot that Soledad for example shared with the, the little highlights on the side with Tucker's ride blame mm-hmm. game like whatever was on the side mm-hmm. you could get worried to be like what 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 is she saying so so yes i i confess yes, it's click, it's click I you guys like look <laughs> I, I don't know if you again are we too are we new to the internet like i don't know what to right. tell you guys are you telling me like i hate that your content was interesting and compelling and made me click on it i'm so angry no <laughs> like, no no no, no. I, I agree if you went no further than that you might react the way Soledad did. But yeah, you're right. But it, it, correct. I and think the person she would have like, seen that. Didn't put the it link. Like that. It, it's right. people who want to want to believe the worst of me. Like if I correct. saw, like, look, you know, 
I, I love I, Glenn Greenwald. I consider him to be a friend. He has takes that I mm. agree with and takes that I don't agree with. And I will tell him that. Yeah. When I see someone like Glenn Greenwald says something stupid, I'm like, oh, Lord. And I go and look at it. Yeah. I don't pop off because I want to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> right. You know, because I, yeah. I, I want to believe the best at all times of everybody. That doesn't mean I do. You know, everyone was like, Bernie's trash today because he voted for I was like, oh, let me go see what Bernie did. Let me right. go see what Bernie did. And Bernie did it. Bernie did it. Yeah. 